When Things Begin to Think was a book written by uh, Gershenfeld. And um, <clears throat> it, um, he was the, Gershenfeld was the director of uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology for Bits and Atoms. And he believed that the next digital revolution would be personal fabrication machines that cost about $20,000 which is interesting because he, that uh, line of thinking um, is probably true today. The personal fabrication machine would make it possible through open, soft, open uh, source software, wireless communication, and internet uh, collaboration technology. Gershenfeld, like Bill Gates, recognized that p the potential in connecting the computer to the customer was through a multitasking, preemptive context switching, and um, Windows interface OS, and aggressively marketing of the Microsoft products. Gershenfeld realized the power of giving the most complex and sophisticated hardware and software to scientists and engineers of poor and remote countries was to give them the power to fabricate tools and machines you know and that's uh, it's always true that uh, when you think about um, uh, the ability to produce is is uh, based on the ability to have uh, different tools even today we talk about tools and software um, when you're talking about <clears throat> tools in the real world <clears throat> and production uh, it it uh, is necessary in order to produce. And so um, industrial countries that have electricity or cheap energy um, have power to run tools and machines, and those tools and machines then can produce products. So by uh, <clears throat> providing a lower cost method or produ production in uh, third world countries, you're able to increase that country's ability and the individual's ability in these poorer regions to produce things. And so again, um, if you remember my podcast on uh, the cheap computer, that computer had no um, interface other than voice. And so just like we were talking right now, the machine would use natural language processing and be able to translate uh, voice to text. And then through Wi-Fi connections to the cloud, it would be able to um, perform different tasks, answer different questions. It could read you your email. And so um, the the need to have an interface um, was unnecessary, and and it could also summarize, so it could uh, uh, give you a high, quick summary of what your emails were, and then if you wanted a detailed, you could just have it read it. If you wanted to search for certain content on the internet, it had the ability uh, to connect through like a Turing NLP, which would allow it. Um, to communicate in the language um, 
of the user. So it could translate to Japanese or it could translate to Indian or, or um, uh, different Hindi, um, um, English, French, um, German. And the cost of that computer would be very cheap, like $10. And, uh, and so the idea of the $10 computer um, along with a uh, maybe solar-powered interface that's powering the chip uh, would allow um, individuals in in uh, at the bottom, which would be about four b billion people, to have access to information. And the idea is giving them access to giving individuals access to information would empower them. And so AI would play a major role in that uh, in that technology. Um, now, Gates received strong support from engineering and software development communities, and they rallied to build hundreds of millions of dollars worth of um, VBX OCX components. Actually, that's probably not true. It's probably billions of dollars. That was the first idea of um, distributable components that could be purchased at low cost providing a great deal of functionality. Today, that functionality uh, occurs in the form of open source um, where there's large numbers of com components, functionality, that are being provided. And um, you can then translate that into fabrication that you have open source components that can be used to fabricate different parts, um, 2D, to 2D components in a flat plane that can be assembled into a 3D component. Um, and so the, the idea of uh, open source or these components that, like Microsoft, is also a very appealing idea for building um, products in the future. And so Gershenfeld... Um, would need to gain strong support from the community of programmers, scientists, and engineers to build a rich public library of tool, machine, chip schematics available for internet search and downloadable digital, digitally into the fabrication lab. Also, complex scientific theory would need to be uh, delivered as an intuitive concepts for search and application, and engineers and computer scientists would need to write um, software applications making computer-aided design intuitive and functional. And uh, when you look at uh, the internets, the spread of the information on the internet, um, and the usage of AI to help make things more intuitive, I, I think that in the future the, the machines will start writing more code um, on demand, so taking natural language commands um, and then uh, building building uh, code sets that can be executed and run uh, by the user and it possibly even translating that into uh, augmented reality or virtual reality in an interactive real-time basis and so that uh, would give the user the ability to interact with the world, almost kind of like uh, mind sculpturing. Um, the, this was a concept that I, I used in one of my books. 
uh, where you know you you ha could visualize um, objects from the known world. So like like Gans, it could uh, uh, learn images and and uh, 3D objects, computer aided designs in the in the real world, and then through natural language processing uh, and descriptions, it could build um, objects in the virtual world based on on what it knows in the real world, the machine knows in the real world, and then translate that into um, interactive kinematic um, interactions with in virtual reality with uh, those objects. And the reason it can do that is it would know the uh, from the the computer aided fabrication, uh, it would know the constraints. So it could be multi component uh, construction of the three D object. And uh, and so like you could build things like uh, uh, robots that are moving. Uh, you could simulate maybe even some or, uh, organic like things like fish swimming in water, uh, dogs running. So the study of kinematics and uh, their constraints um, could also be learned by genetic algorithms that could uh, discover what the possible degrees of freedom were, and then the machine could then. Uh, provide an interactive world where you could interact with those type of of uh, objects in an intuitive way, and so when you look at the cost of the computation, that would be phenomenally high. Uh, but uh, as Moore's law is moving things exponentially cheaper and more powerful, then the, those level of simulations and that power. Uh, should be become available again. This would be narrow task AI, but it could be applied generally, and then um, and then that technology could be made available to the masses. So Gershenfeld is not trying to necessarily make products that are um, are, are a charitable case. He's trying to reduce the uh, production costs by decentralizing and using <clears throat> distributable open source code. And my proposal is, is that uh, one way to accelerate that is through the use of AI. Uh, Gershenfeld freely admits that scientists, experts, computer experts, and engineering experts will need to be, need to be accessing, uh, be need, to, need to be accessed through Fab Lab communities. So then you have these communities that are, are building these, uh, uh, components and then you have this larger community that uh, has some way to interface with those components and to uh, fabricate them locally uh, use, use the component software components to fabricate products locally and uh, then through the fabrication locally they're able to then build products that they either sell or um, use to solve problems machines that can provide Little maintenance, provide a little maintenance can last forever and produce indefinitely. Things then become smarter. And that's the interesting thing is, again, as we've been talking about, is how the ability to produce machines then um, gives you kind of this MIT uh, laboratory. And I remember, you know, when you look, he was originally talking, he said that, his students had access to build things and the lab, but it cost uh, 
those labs were very, very expensive. Uh, they had milling machines, uh, grinding machines, lasers, lathing, uh, presses, things like that. And, and these machines were very large and they were expensive. Uh, but then the students could build things with them. And they would then be able to use the things that they were building uh, to solve problems. So it's kind of like the Iron Man scenario where he can fabricate things in his lab. uh, And then those things uh, that he builds uh, provides functionality. So it's uh, the Gershenfeld thought process is something that, that, you know, like Tony Stark's and Iron Man uh, was... was, uh, capable of doing also and so that was kind of futuristic but yet um was it really that futuristic it could could it be possible that uh, we can do those type of things now the fabric personal fabrication machine will allow individuals and small business to customize products meeting their needs and release an outpour of talent because again Talent is not uh, constrained by economic circumstance. It's constrained by communication. The uh, segmentation between structural design and functionality are bridged by personal fabrication. Structural engineers can build prototypes and include microchips to provide functionality. Eventually, Eventually, these microchips will be small wireless computers with the ability to provide feedback make decisions, and start other processes. Personal fabrication becomes more feasible as the size of a computer reduces and the cost drops and computers become more functional and more closely integrated into all facets of existence. Gershenfeld poses a thought-provoking idea that a smart device should keep context information and this context information should be used by the device to provide helpful reactions. In the case of the product theft, a small frequency transmits a certain frequency. A small frequency device transmits a frequency within a magnetic field. A siren goes off and the staff attention is attracted. Or it could just uh, uh, transmit the location of the device and and uh, you could locate it um, by the frequency that's transmitting maybe to a, to a satellite or uh, to some communication tower, and you're able then to, to trace that device down. The amazing fact is that the device would cost about a penny. Gershenfeld explains that the goal is to get more functionality for less money. In the case of Fab Lab, microchips cost about 10 to 70 cents. I believe the things of demand always become cheaper, so the goal will be getting the desired functionality on these chips fast and easy. Um, but that takes, that takes brains. And uh, when you look at the cost of electricity, the, you, you can see that there's a, there's a huge um, need for nuclear power or low-energy low nuclear reactions to reduce the cost of electricity a thousandfold and then distribute the electricity uh, to billions of people at very low cost and then through the usage of that electricity provide um, the ability to fabricate logic and and uh, three-dimensional objects and to create uh, structures 
that are useful. The Fab Lab is capable of the precision of a millionth of a millimeter. The purpose is to provide the inventors in poor countries with the best technology to solve their problems. Fab Lab provides a scalable, scaled-down manufacturing fabrication model allowing device creation that is both functional and structurally suitable for the need. The end result is a working prototype capable of solving a particular problem. Fab Labs have been used to produce jewelry, car parts, agricultural tools, communication equipment, solar-powered devices, radio collars, wireless communication. The Fab Lab makes printing semiconductors, transistors, and other electronics devices as they were made of paper. As if they were made of paper, the Fab Lab produces uh, things, and these things get smarter. And when I say smarter, it means more sophisticated, more sophisticated components, more interaction with the components, better understanding of how to assemble the components and how to use the components together to produce functionality. Reuse will be of things that will be a big issue. Hey, how cool would it be to walk to Radio Shack and ask for a demo of a Fab Lab machine and build a machine? Now what we do is we buy a, a 3D printer and uh, we fabricate um, different objects using polymers with those machines. Remember when the TSR-80 cost about $5,000? Well, that's for some of you that are as old as I am. Uh, the concept was cool, and now everyone has a computer a million times more powerful. Many computers companies will ask, is it practical to purchase a Fab Lab with the proliferation of components that will be ordered by the internet or catalog. I think that Fab Lab will gain in strength as it uh, continues to bridge the gap between form and function. And again, Gershenfeld's proposal was is that the Fab Lab could produce the digital chi uh, logic circuitry and products cheaper than uh, mass production could produce it. And also uh, the variety of components that would be available would be in uh, greater. And so you have all these uh, components that could be fabricated and used and then assembled to provide functionality. As structure and functionality patterns package and standardization by these groups, the packages will be replicated by the Fab Lab. Uh, the Fab Lab must build infrastructure to become the bridge between the virtual digital world and the concrete world. And so as more people become aware of what uh, type of things that Fab Lab can produce uh, in the area of agriculture, energy, communication, education, that uh, um, more advanced goals will be set for communities to solve it, just like Kaggle's AIML uh, challenges, there will be Fab Lab challenges and prizes to encourage developers to uh, utilize the Fab Labs to solve problems. And then these this will attract other people once they're, they see the uh, what's capable. It will attract other developers to and uh, entrepreneurs to use uh, these, these technologies to make money. The advantage of pure digital storage of pattern is staggering. Just in time inventories, richer possibilities for solutions, stronger collaboration between ideas, and open design communities to sponsor innovation.